Welcome into 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show. Although, excited might be a little bit of the wrong word for this particular conversation because uh, it's frustrating in a number of ways. First of all, it has to begin with conversation of another injury that looks like it's going to rob some serious and precious time away from outfielder Sean Bouchard this time. Obviously, we uh, this comes on the heels of the Brendan Rodgers thing, and so it's different but similarly frustrating to that, and, and I'll talk about all of that. But then there's this other flip side of it where now there are reports going around that the Colorado Rockies might be interested in Jerickson Profar, who whose name I could not remember last podcast, if you recall. I, my brain was screaming Jacoby Ellsbury into my ears and then trying to get it to come out of my mouth, and I, I refused to let it happen, but it's still, I couldn't, I was like, I know that ain't right, but it's Jerickson Profar, so I'm going to talk a little bit about that, and then in general, kind of the state of the Colorado Rockies outfield, which I did write about recently on milehighsports.com, but obviously it's, it's shifted a little bit since then and then i will have for you in the coming days more ups and downs from the on the field stuff when it comes to the rockies so far this spring training the too long didn't read version of it is alaris montero hit a big home run and that was cool and zach veen keeps getting on base and then stealing more bases and that's pretty cool other stuff there's not a ton to write home about yet but we'll still uh talk about it soon so Sean Bouchard, let's begin with who is this guy? Uh, what was the hope or reasonable expectation for him this season? What's going on now and how do the Rockies respond? He's never been one of these top-end prospects for the Rockies, right? Never anywhere close to the top 100 in terms of baseball-wide. And very rarely, uh, certainly throughout the first little bit of his professional career would you see Bouchard in any of the uh like even in top 20 just on the Rockies prospect lists right he is a little bit older for a guy who's you know was a call-up essentially at the end of last year he's uh, just turned 26 uh about a month ago and uh big lanky lefty outfielder those of you who were watching at the end of last year saw that right and one of the things that you saw was a really patient approach at the plate uh, that he was able to get in 27 games 97 plate appearances so not nothing right Uh, 297 batting average the big number is the 454 on base percentage and then 500 slugging that's a 954 OPS, a 157 OPS plus, which is elite stuff, but obviously it's only 27 games, right? Three home runs, 11 ribbies, 21 walks to 25 strikeouts. Now those numbers, if he could keep them up, would be phenomenal. There's no doubting that, right? But we all know if if you're a regular baseball watcher, if you're a listener to this podcast, you almost certainly are familiar with Several such 30-game flash-in-the-pan type moments. We saw it out of Sam Hilliard at the end of one season. We've seen it in moments from guys like Joshua Fuentes, who really looked like they're going to be something for a little while. But right once the league has a little bit of a book on you, who knows? And so Bouchard was in a really interesting position coming into this season because 
He's never been a guy that I thought was really going to make it, you know, huge. Uh, again, I, I feel like I make this poor comparison to Ryan Feltner all the time, and I, I don't mean to pick on uh, Ryan Feltner right now. And, and Fuentes was another one, right? Never a huge prospect, but shows a certain amount of production. So you've got to give them opportunities, but there's still a reason that, you know, the guy's basically going to be a rookie or was going to be a rookie at 26 years old. Not that guys can't break out a little bit later and be late bloomers. And there was a lot of hope for that. Again, big body guy, big power swing from the right side, patient at bat that you like, can a little bit defensively limited, which is to say can really only play in the corners in the outfield and doesn't bring a ton of defensive utility. But from a patient standpoint, He's absolutely the type of hitter that the Rockies need. And in a season like the one most of us are projecting for them to have, this is the type of player that you want to see get a chance, right? Especially in this little gap here between right now and when Zach Veen, who you presume is a big part of your outfield in the future, is going to be ready. This is when you want to say, all right, if Bouchard's going to prove that he can be more than the projections ever saw him. If he is going to be one of those late bloomer guys, right now is the time to give him every opportunity to do that, to be one so that you can go, okay, we've got him for the future and we're going to, we're going to have to work him in somehow as we start to work Veen into the picture. And maybe that means that Veen becomes your future in center field. If you're going to lock Bryant in left and now a guy like Bouchard in right or flop him around, however you want. Right. And so, for him, it's like I said with Rodgers, this is more brutal for the player than it is for the team because this year was almost certainly not going to be a particularly successful one for the Rockies. And Bouchard definitely wasn't going to be the difference between being a good team or a great team or even a bad team and an okay team, right? Bouchard was absolutely going to be one of those, I don't know, let's, let's see what he can do. And if it turns out he can't do much, then it's worth learning that as well and moving on. Right. And him going the way of Fuentes and, and Sam Hilliard and some of these other guys who showed promise and ability and, you know, potential, but it didn't quite show out. So it's very frustrating that he's got this injury now where it looks like he's going to miss at least a couple of months, most of the season, a lot of the season. And because I believe that by the time he gets back and is ready to go, the outfield is just going to be that much more crowded. Right, You're going to have somebody of, maybe Tolia has proven that he's a big asset in the outfielder and they like somebody. Maybe Montero is the future at first base if they were going to trade Crone or something like that. Brenton Doyle is a guy who could emerge. And then the aforementioned Zach Veen, who I think is going to be getting his opportunities no later than you know mid-June. And so these couple of months, man, it just, that's brutal. I don't just for the guy, like, I don't know Sean that well. A lot of these prospects I know super well. Some of them, you know, uh, Sean's one of those guys who I didn't follow especially closely other than catching up on the statistics here and there. Um, and, and so you, but you still got to be kind of heartbroken for him just by looking at the circumstances of it and going, these were his months to earn a job. Right, He had this very specific window where he was going to get opportunities. I do think he was going to make the team. I do think they were very impressed with the way he showed out at the end of last season. And again, one of those enough production means you get a chance type of things. They did it with Winton Bernard. There's another one, right? And he didn't fully pan out. 
because sometimes it doesn't. And so it could be the case that that's what would have happened with Bouchard. And there's not a whole lot to be lost here. The God, a biceps rupture sounds just awful, just absolutely awful. Uh, that word sends chills down my spine. But for him, couldn't have happened at a worse time. And you just got to hope that somewhere down the line, he can find a way to get some opportunities. Uh, the Rockies can get him in there somehow, see, uh, you know, and, and maybe it all ends up being, and, and I can hear a lot of people saying, and, and actually I know we're, we're working on some things at Mile High Sports right now, uh, writing about this and talking about this, essentially trading off all these veterans, right? You can make some room, uh, especially Charlie Blackman, C.J. Crone, but a few others even, probably not Chris Bryant. That one, they're they're going to want to remain invested in him. But otherwise, you can create some space there and left and right. Uh, if Bryant, say, moves to DH, for example, in the future, once Blackman is either retired or, or traded or whatever that may be. So there's opportunities there. It's just, damn, man. Very, very frustrating. And it does feel like the Rockies are, are having a, a particularly harsh spring training all of a sudden. It's still early. Uh, a couple of players that we were really looking forward to seeing. And, and that is the bummer. It's like it, in this year that was supposed to be about research and learning about even guys like Brendan Rogers would still be in that category of more information about what this player can be for your future would be really, really valuable. And now they're going to miss out on that information. This year is all about information gathering. So not having information on Rogers, not having information on Bouchard is detrimental to the team in that way as well. And that's a real bummer because any one of these guys you can find that are the diamonds in the rough, that are the guys that, are, that, that never were the top prospect that can pop for you, uh, more on the pitching side it matters obviously, but still... Uh, you know, the Rockies have a pretty great history of, of some of those players. Charlie Blackman maybe being the prime example of a guy who was never considered, you know, top prospect, future all-star. Even the first couple of years of his career, there were people who were saying, I had that one hot April, and then after that, Charlie Blackman's just a fourth outfielder, right? And it took a while for him to become. So you've got to give those guys opportunities to become that. Absolutely brutal injury right here. For Sean Bouchard. Let's talk about the flip side of it now. These rumors, uh, and and I know that the Rockies have been interested in Jerickson Profar in the past. Uh, I know that it's something that I've seen pop up in the media and and fans talking about it. And I, I got to be honest with you, folks. I got to start right here. I have often wondered why. What? Well, I'm not quite sure uh, what it is about the profile of Jerickson Profar. That makes people now. If he was on the team already, here are the things I would be saying. Right, guy's got a ton of versatility. Uh, he can play at a bunch of different positions. Uh, has an interesting skill set. He doesn't steal a ton of bases, but he can steal a base. Doesn't hit a ton of home runs, but he can hit a home run. He can kind of do everything, but he doesn't do anything especially well. He's a guy. <laughs> He's a dude. He belongs in Major League Baseball. You know, a career OPS plus of 94, so he's just below league average hitter. You know, never been a big batting average guy. 238 career batting average. Last year for San Diego, 243, 227 the year before that. You're looking at some pretty low batting average numbers. On base, okay. Oh, oh, at best, you know, 331, 321 last couple of years. Uh, slugging not, you know, you're not getting a ton there. His career high OPS plus numbers, 
You have the 2020 season where he put up a 114, but you got a shortened year. And then last year, his career high in a full season, he put up a 111. So at his absolute best, you know, when he hit 15 home runs last year, his career high, by the way, 20 home runs back in 2018. He also hit 20 home runs in 19. So at the very least, you know, it's not Jonathan Daza where you've got the opposite problem, a lot of batting average and no power, right? But it's like you're replacing one problem with the other and maybe they've just decided, okay, the power is better than the other thing. Uh, Defensively, again, Profar's a guy. He's a dude. He plays center field fine. He plays second base fine. That's maybe the thing about the profile that I like the most is that he can play second and short without killing you uh, in a pinch. You know, if there's an injury, if there's a minor injury and you don't want to send Tovar down or put him on the IL, you just want to have somebody else step in for a day and you don't have to call up Trejo if he's in AAA. Just have Profar go and play shortstop for a game or two. Fine, right? Um, same thing with, like, you can play any of the outfield spots. Like, that part of the profile I like. But again, it's not a year where the team is going to be competitive. Jerickson Profar is a great 24th to 26th man on your roster if you're going to be a pretty good ball club. Uh, but why the Rockies would... Uh, he's also a switch hitter in terms of versatility. I can't remember if I mentioned that or not. But but why... Again, this is actually a bit more baffling to me than the Mike Moustakis thing. Because Moose at least brings a certain kind of power, a veteraniness, a left-handed bat, and seemed to me almost immediately to be obvious you know, competition for the young guys to kind of push them a little bit at third and depth because one of them is going to have to start in AAA between Jones and Montero, I mean, and one's going to have to start in Major League Baseball. You don't want to sit one of those guys on the bench. That doesn't do them any good. They need every day at bats. So Moose can be your backup third baseman. No problem there. But this, like you, you, you have outfielders. You don't need to do this. Brenton Doyle, even if he's not 100% ready for the bigs, give him a shot. Let him go. Michael Tolia can play right field for you whenever you need someone to play right field. You've already got Bryant locked in and left. There's honestly nothing wrong with having to just roll with Daza for a little bit if it means that Veen is going to take over the job in a month or two months even. Like, you don't need to bring in a veteran who's, again, in, in my estimation, Fine. <laughs> He's fine. I always kind of liked jerks in Pro 4, but not, again, I, it's weird to me. Anyway, I, I don't see the point of this. Uh, unless it's absolutely for depth reasons and you're still going, hey, we're starting Brenton Doyle in center field day one and we're going to have Tolia out there all the time. Uh, you know, they, they've got, but again, Nolan Jones, the, 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 the answer to this question, because I was just talking about, right. If your problem, no, I, they don't have the center fielder is the issue because you can't play Tolia, Nolan Jones and Chris Bryant in the outfield. <laughs> no, none of those guys can man center. Even in a year where you're going to lose a lot of games, you, you can't throw one of those guys to the wolves like that. Just go play one of the most difficult center fields in all of baseball. And none of you are center fielders. So I guess it doesn't really open up those opportunities, but if they bring in Jerks and Profar and make him the everyday starting center fielder, that's going to be extremely frustrating because there are other guys in the system, including Doyle, eventually Veen, uh, who can do that job. 
Daza, as I mentioned. Randall Gritchick is still on this roster. Don't forget about that. Now he's hurt and isn't going to be ready for the very beginning of the season. But again, this I don't feel like this is a long-term enough problem for you to be going out and signing a guy, even if it's a one-year deal. Uh, now, if the Rockies were expecting to compete this year, then it would make a little bit more sense. But the Rockies didn't make the pitching moves in the offseason to justify this. If they wanted to say that the moves of Mike Moustakis and Jerickson Profar are moves that are actually meant to help them win and these guys are going to get regular playing time, then they needed to make those same types of moves, but like five or six of them on the pitching side. They needed to be bringing in a bunch of guys who were cast-offs from other organizations, veterans who maybe look like they're past their prime, but hey, you look down, he's 33, he's not 37, maybe, you know, which is kind of what you do with Moustakis, right? Two bad years, maybe he's done. Maybe there's a little juice left in the tank. That'd be great if I could look to the pitching side and go, okay, there's the equivalent of that, right? Jose Urania ain't ain't it. I, I, I like Urania fine. He ain't it. Connor Siebold is an interesting candidate. But again, they've got one or two maybe guys. And, and those are guys who maybe can be, you know, league average starting pitchers for you. That's all banking on a huge bounce back from Adaman Marquez, which he's still looked a little bit shaky. It's early, but shaky-ish. You know, there, there haven't been signs of, oh man, the old Marquez is back yet, which you got to be patient with that to some extent. But Marquez is on the clock, man. This is the year. Marquez, it's a full team option at the end of this season. Marquez either proves he's got value to the, the organization or he gets traded or just dropped as a free agent at the end of the season. You know, he, he has to bounce back. Freeland is under similar but not the same pressure because he's got the big, long, uh, fairly reasonable contract, right? And he was better last year. Freeland finished on a strong note. Uh, Marquez finished better than he started, but... Ugh. So the pitching just isn't there. It's just not there. Not only is the pitching at the major league level not there, the depth, the next step down, triple-A, double-A, it doesn't even matter. Past the kid uh, that they drafted in the first round last year, they really don't have a lot of starting pitching to get excited about in the system. Every single name I could think of comes with a big, gigantic question mark, usually a big, gigantic, injury-shaped question mark. Peter Lambert, Ryan Rollison, Carl Kaufman, all intriguing, right? Ryan Feltner, I mentioned, comes with more of the question mark of has never put up huge numbers. So really, what is the ceiling of this guy as much as he's got raw stuff that makes you go, well, that should be able to get some outs. At some point, you got to put up the numbers, right? And so, yeah, if they go out and get jerks and Profar, as much as I was kind of laughing and defensive about the Mustakis thing, because I think people are looking at that. I, I do think there's a little bit of, and, and people even said this to me, like, yeah, any other team, this move would make a certain amount of sense. But Drew, you got to admit, it's the Rockies. And so they're clearly going to handle this wrong. And I totally understand that thought process. At the same time, I, I first of all, it's my job to be a little bit more objective than that and, and say, well, okay, 
it could be the case that they're going to do that. But until they've done it, it's hard for me to critique them for having done so, right? There are other scenarios where picking up Moustakis actually doesn't block anybody and really puts both Montero and Jones in their best possible positions to succeed. And I wrote about that on milehighsports.com. But I am straining to find a way in which the addition of Jerks and Profar or a player like him, whatever his equivalent of, a 0.0 war player. Now, Profar put up a two and a half win season last year, which is good. And you say, okay, well, and he's still 30 years old. So it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility that Profar could match his best ever season and give you a two and a half win season. But cool. Like, great. Like, so what? <laughs> like, that doesn't, that does almost nothing for your ball club at the end of the day. And I can't imagine they would sign him to a multi-year contract right now in spring training, right? And have him be like another veteran around in the outfield for years to come. When you have not only Zach Veen, but we haven't even talked at all this year about Benny Montgomery. And that's because that's a next year conversation for our purposes for the most part. But you got dudes, you got guys. I don't know. I hope they don't do this because then it really does make my, even my attempts to make sense of the Moustakis thing that much more questionable, right? If, if they get to opening day and Profar is starting in center field and Moustakis is starting at third base while, you know, Tolia and Montero and Jones are either all on the bench or down in Albuquerque, I'll be right there with the chorus of people screaming, what in the hell are these guys doing? Like, what in the world? I, for one, think that subtly Bill Schmidt has done a lot of things to show that he's not Jeff Breidich, and he's not Dan O'Dowd, and he is going to do things a little bit differently. But if you make this unforced error, if you spent all offseason making it abundantly clear that you are going to go with internal candidates and play these kids who have earned every every right to have the opportunity to play, and that was basically your excuse for not getting involved in free agency that would have actually gotten people excited, and, and that made sense to me. But to, to make that argument implicitly or explicitly all offseason and then show up now with a couple of weeks left before the season to go and add free agent veterans that no one's excited about just to fill the roster, you've completely undercut the goodwill, the potential positive message that you can sell to your fans Everything that I've been saying all spring training about, hey, this season, they're not going to be good, but at least they're going to be fun. Not if they're going to play these guys, they're not. And like I said, I like Jerickson and Profar. I like Mike Moustakis. And anyone who knows me knows I don't like being this guy that I, you know, coming on here and just complaining about stuff. But you, you have got to turn the page on this organization, on this franchise. You've got to get to the next era. And even if that means to some degree throwing these guys to the wolves, it's sink or swim, right? And if Brenton Doyle isn't going to hang in the bigs, let's find out now. If Alharis Montero and Nolan Jones aren't going to contribute, let's find out now. Sean Bouchard, unfortunately, again with the injury, but even if they end up sinking, 
you've learned something valuable this season so that you know in the future you need to put resources toward replacing those players rather than counting on them. But if you don't even play them, if you give that time to guys like Profar and Moose who aren't even going to be on the roster next season... I, was, I used the phrase unforced error. That's bad roster management. That's bad asset management. There's that That is robbing yourself of an opportunity to get better and to play a more exciting, more fun, and engaging brand of baseball all in the name of, I don't know what, looking like you're trying so I hope that that entire rant that I just went on ends up being for naught. I hope that the team either doesn't sign him or that if they do end up bringing in a player like this, the same thing with Moustakis, that neither, like they don't even make the team, right? That they end up being these, ah, oh, we brought some veterans in. We wanted to have them around for camp. We, we wanted to have them around the young guys and telling stories about playing in all-star games and winning World Series and some of the other fun things that these veterans have done. But at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're rolling with the young guys. If they make the right decision, ultimately, then all the hand-wringing was for nothing. But, man, do they create some PR firestorms out of nowhere sometimes. And they could really do quite a bit better of a job of explaining what their thought process is because i don't know how you consistently hold the thought of yeah we didn't make any moves this offseason because we're going to play the young guys and then make moves like this just doesn't make sense so let's see what happens next like i said i'll be back with more on the field stuff in the next couple of podcasts uh gotta give you your ups and your downs gotta hope that there isn't any more injury news the next time we're talking and that there's still just more good Zach Veen. It's been the story of camp so far, and it's been a whole lot of fun. So thank you for listening in out there. Make sure you're following Mile High Sports on all the social medias and the radio station, all the podcasts. You know what it is, the written content at milehighsports.com. I hope that you continue to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.